Yeah, I'm not really concerned about comparing it to where we were last year. I'm just focusing on what I see every day and just, um, you know, playing with incredible effort, being physical, playing with great fundamentals, having a great understanding of, uh, of our system, um, uh, not just their own position. I think it's really important anytime you know you're 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 playing both sides of the ball that you have a great understanding of the players around you what the scheme means for not only for you but for them i think that helps you play more consistently more aggressively um uh, more uh, assuredly and um you know i like our the group of players we have um we did lose some good football players, but I, I do believe that we've got good football players that are ready for their opportunity. There's head coach Brent Venables before last night's OU coaches caravan in Duncan. Appreciated seeing uh, a lot of you Sooner fans, ref fans out there. Jimmy in Duncan, he was very nice. Took a couple pictures with us. That was uh, fun to see. But yeah, uh, BV was asked the question, Travis, of, all right, how do you be better defensively this year from last year? He said he's not interested in making that comparison, but I think the obvious answer to being better defensively this year than last year is developing a consistent pass rush. I think a lot of that's probably going to be on Marcus Stripling, which, judging by the bowl game and judging by the spring game, I think that there's definitely a reason to be optimistic about that. Yeah, I think there's reason to be optimistic, really, a, a, across the whole defensive line. Uh, obviously, you have kind of a defensive head coach culture shift that you have naturally. Uh, but then with Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis and guys that realize that they're getting a blank slate, I think sometimes it can be disheartening to guys to kind of get knocked down the depth chart a little bit and and start to think, you know what, should I transfer? Do I have enough film to transfer? Um, will anybody pick me up in the portal? Anything like that. Well, when you get a fresh start and, you know, you kind of are maybe humbled a bit and you know you've got to put in the work, but those coaches are saying, hey, you know what, whoever's going to be best starting right now, that's who's going to play. So I think you're seeing some of that, and you're kind of seeing a uh, kind of a new lease on life with some of these guys, and they're going to take full advantage of it. Yeah, I, I think this linebacker core – got a chance, man. I'm sure Brent Venables would say that they got a long way to go. They're really young at backer. I mean, they've got some young pieces. There's also, you know, you got a guy like Deshaun White in there who's who's played a lot of football. But I think this backer room, by the end of the year, they got a chance. I'm looking at Jaron Canick. I'm looking at Danny Stutzman. Those two guys have got a real chance for the next two to three years, Travis, of kind of being – your dudes at linebacker, and big news today in recruiting, Phil Picciotti, four-star backer out of the state of Pennsylvania. He dropped his top four. He does not have Penn State in it. He has OU. He has Michigan. He has Nebraska, and he has Auburn. So when you're evaluating OU's chances against Nebraska, this might be the last year of Scott Frost. Auburn, this will be the last year of Brian Harson. And Michigan, any NFL job that's open, Jim Harbaugh's going to interview uh, interview for it next offseason. The point is, is I don't think it's going to take very long for OU to get back to being really solid at linebacker. Yeah, of course. Bringing in Bram Edibles, that's that's the most obvious next step, right? Is if you were to just ask the health of any position um, post, you know, the hire, linebackers would have been your first answer probably. Luckily, we had a lot of talent already on the roster for him to work with. Uh, you know, I've told this story before. I was out to dinner with uh, Pat Fields 
early in the season last year after one of the games. And I just asked him, this was back when, when Spencer was still starting and, and playing well. Uh, Caleb obviously was the backup, had a lot of talent on that team. Obviously, we expected big things from Perry on Winfrey and Nick Benito, and we had seen a lot of mock drafts. And I asked him, I said, out of all the players on the roster right now, who is the eventual highest draft pick? And he said Danny Stutzman. And Danny Stutzman, I mean, we hadn't seen much of him by then. And, you know, Pat Fields is a really smart guy. And he just, he's like, that's that's the guy, man. He's just different. So when you pair a guy like that with Brent Venables, I expect him, and as many of us do, to have a massive year. Uh, man, as far as that top four that came out, I was shocked. Shocked, man. Yeah. I thought, I mean, it's crazy. I initially thought, like, how is this an attempt to troll? It, it seems so obvious that Penn State would be in your top four, at least, just getting in the state of Pennsylvania, being a linebacker. I, I figured that was going to be obvious. I actually um, met Phil when he was down for the Iowa State game last year. I think we all remember when uh, Perrion uh, almost killed a man, and it was I was I was there with a with another recruit on a visit, oddly enough, but started talking to him down there seemed like nice kid he said he was excited to come back he was really looking forward to it and yeah I I expected his top four to be uh, pretty regional to be honest Michigan Michigan State Penn State and then Oklahoma being kind of the odd man out when it comes to the geography but Auburn is just strange when Auburn and Nebraska jumped those to not see Michigan State or Penn State in there obviously Penn State's the more shocking one yeah, that was – and all of a sudden now, I mean, I share Parker's sentiments. I'm wildly confident in that now. Yeah, what Parker put in a crystal ball, I guess, earlier today saying, yeah, I think he's going to uh, wind up at OU, and I, I feel pretty pretty good about it, man. I Two out of the uh, three competitors, I don't think the, the head coach is going to be there next year. So, um, <laughs> yeah, OU's sitting good for that one, and they're sitting good for several other prospects right now. They have the number 20 recruiting class for 2023 – Five prospects committed, but we'll kind of talk about where the state of OU recruiting is at right now. Despite the five commits, which I don't think Clemson has five. I don't think Alabama has five up to this point. I don't think Texas has five up to this point. They're okay. They're in good shape, yeah. especially there's several prospects out we do this. We have, do this every year. Yeah. I mean, Texas Tech's, I think. Number two right now, Yeah, right? They, they were number one, and they're yeah. like, oh, my gosh, Texas Tech is lighting the world on fire. Well, yeah, I remember when North Carolina was lighting the world on fire when they had tripled the recruits as many people. I mean, Tennessee was going nuts that one year and even, you know, tweeted out uh, that I think it was a, a Knoxville Fox affiliate that tweeted out the uh, the Sooner Schooner tipping over. It was an odd, yeah. yeah. It was an and odd then move. Odd and move. then they continued to be ratio for, ratioed for the next rest of the recruiting season. But we always go through this. It's oh my gosh, is Alabama going to put together the class? They're ranked fifty fifth or whatever in the country right now. Yes, I, I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here, but Alabama will have a top five class again. I think I'm pretty confident in that. We had a conversation about Dylan Gabriel uh, last segment and. You know, I, I am looking at year two for OU as when – now, a lot of things have to happen, okay? They have to really progress throughout the season. I, I think this team's going to get better as the year goes on. But if the final product looks what I think it's going to look like, Travis, at the end of next season, I feel like at the end of December, going into January, I'm going to be saying, all right, year two. We talk about year two all the time with, with new head coaches – 
I think year two is the year that we're really talking about OU getting over the hump and winning a playoff game and really pushing hard for a national championship. Bam will be reloading at quarterback. Ohio State will be reloading at quarterback and maybe some others as well. I think it's critical, man, that Dylan Gabriel is uh, spends two years here as a starting quarterback. I don't know if I'm going to have the same thoughts of year two with BV if Jackson Arnold's the quarterback, if Nick Evers is the quarterback, whoever the quarterback is, maybe they find one throughout the portal. What's the feeling right now? Is the feeling that Dylan Gabriel is going to be a one-and-done guy? Or is there a real chance that he sticks around for at least two years? Yeah, I don't I don't think – I definitely don't think it's decided by any means uh, that he's going to be a one-and-done guy. Um, in, in discussions with – um, you know, getting to know his agent and whatnot. He he had mentioned, look, Dylan's got three years of eligibility. So I mean, that that was kind of his timeline. He's like, look, this is he's got three years of eligibility, and and they they want to do what's what's obviously best for Dylan and and transferring in being just a one year type of project in a new head coach in a new system with a lot of new weapons. I think he understands two things. I think he will have a lot to gain by being in that next year's draft class by staying for another year um but also i mean this next coming draft class i mean you look at cj stroud and bryce young and spencer radler and like just a laundry list i mean we heard it all throughout this draft process was oh teams are just waiting until next year that's why you only saw you know you know the quarterbacks really drop because everybody's pivoting to this next year there might be six first round quarterbacks next year yeah so you'd think dylan could stand to make significantly more money if he stays for the two years now we touched on his health if that becomes a concern you know you kind of you kind of look at you know his body type and his injury history you look at guys like Kyler who want to say you know what pay me I want to get paid early because you know if if I get hit the wrong way something like that then that's going to cost me a lot of money so I guess it it just depends on how the season goes how he feels physically uh, and and really you know what? What uh, I guess how good Levy is at yeah. saying, "Hey, stick around." Well, what's promising is that there's not the intention of I'm here for one year and that is it. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for one because you see a lot of recruits come in with the thought process of three years, three years. That's it. And we see, see it announcements now. He said, yeah, uh, you know, thank you. Uh, I'd like to announce that I'm committing to the next three years at university. I'm like, sure. good Lord. And, and I think in the transfer portal you see that too. Guys come in with the intention of, I, this is a one-year thing, and I'm gone. See you after that. So it is it is not because I think it's really critical that he would come back for that second year as a starter in 2023. Couldn't agree more. That he's coming in with that open mind of, well, we'll see what happens. And look, I, I, don't, I don't know him personally, okay? The only – I've had no interaction with him and – Really, I've only seen him, you know, in press conferences, but I get the vibe from him being a laid-back dude, and he is a laid-back dude. I don't think that he's necessarily in a hurry. Now, everybody wants to make money, and if the money's out there to be made, he's not going to be different than anyone else. He's going to go make it, but I I do feel like he has a more laid-back approach when it comes to, you know, going to the NFL draft. At least I feel that way. I couldn't agree more. Uh, It's – He's where he wants to be. He's having a good time, but he is as focused on the team uh, as I've ever seen. Uh, not to say that you know everybody can have their opinions about previous quarterbacks uh, that we've had, but this guy—he's just different. Um, I I fully expect him to stick around for two years. I think he'll probably see the opportunity. 
Um, I'm sure the people around him will see the opportunity. Um, but you see the uh, the deal he did with his high school, um, getting them all new jerseys, hooking them up with Nike. Really others. cool. Yeah, it's I mean, really cool. that kind of stuff is really cool. Um, I wanted to make sure I shouted that out. But, yeah, I think – I think you've got to start the recruiting now if you're Brent Venables and Jeff Levy to say, hey, you know, nothing against any any other quarterbacks on the roster or that will be on the roster. It's I think you just are, are really comfortable going into next year with Dylan Gabriel at the helm, getting those other wide receivers, you know, getting your, you know, your J.J. Hester, see if Gibson pops, see if this. You just – Jaleel Farouk still – you get another year with the guys, another year to put out great film – and, uh, yeah, raise that draft stock up. Text line says, if he were to leave after one year, I think the good news – I think it's good news because he had an amazing year. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those situations that, yeah, he's not going to leave if he gets a, you know, fourth-round grade or something like that. It's it's If he leaves, it's because he's he has supplanted some of the other top – you know, okay. top three or four guys, and if that and if that's a situation where he has a, a season that supplants some of those guys on a team with Brent Venables in charge and some incredible uh, defensive players, coaches, everything like that, I think, yeah, I think we're going to be in good shape. And too. I think that's the point. Is yeah, like when I say that he's not necessarily in a hurry. If he's got a projected first round grade and everyone knows that he's going to be a first round pick, then yeah. I I would tell him to go, and I think that he probably will. But if that grade's a, a third-round grade, then what I'm saying is I don't think that he's a guy that's necessarily just trying to run to the league and be a third-round pick. and Or even a second-round grade. Yeah, even second-round yeah. grade. I mean, you look at, like you said, six in, in mock drafts, we're seeing five or six quarterbacks taken. If you're a second-round and you're the seventh quarterback taken, like you, but you could have the opportunity the next year to be a top-three quarterback taken? I mean, especially with NIL opportunities and whatnot, it's it's not a situation where it's yeah. like I have to I have to go get my money. But man, if he were to enter into the portal after one year, what a fascinating QB battle it would be going into twenty twenty three. Oh yeah. Um I'm I'm gonna guess that Davis Bevel would be in the mix. Of course Jackson Arnold would be in the mix. Of mm-hmm. course Nick Evers would be in the mix. And you gotta think that whoever the hot quarterback is out on the transfer market that you might really be interested in that guy as well. So if Dylan Gabriel is indeed a one-year guy, it's been a while since we've had a legitimate quarterback battle. And the last legit quarterback battle I can remember was what? Probably uh, Baker Mayfield, Trevor Knight, and Cody Thomas going all the way back to the 2015 season. That would be the first legitimate quarterback battle you've had in eight years. Yeah, it would It would have to be. Um, and I tell you what, they're fun, especially, you know, in this realm where you are talking about football throughout the off season and you don't have necessarily outside of recruiting, uh, you know, news to report, you know, current events. A quarterback battle is is great for content, that's for sure. Yeah, um, it's it's a great type of conversation. I mean, I'm not sure it's quite as good as having somebody on campus named General Booty. Maybe General Booty will be the starting quarterback <laughs> in 2023. I'm just saying, I'm that's not, great for content. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that. Uh, um, I'm not sure it'll be quite that good of content, but yeah, I'd 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 love a quarterback battle because it just pushes them harder. Um, this has been this has been a year where it has been as solid as ever that there wasn't going to be a quarterback battle. I mean, when Dylan came here, it was okay. You're the guy. And it, dude, okay, we all knew that. 
But it was really refreshing when Jeff Levy said that what we already knew. It was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't just... It's like January, February, Dylan Gabriel's our dude. It wasn't this crap of, well, Dylan Gabriel and Davis Bevel could see uh, uh, reps in game one together, you know, 10 days out before kick. We know who's the starting quarterback. So, yeah, it was like refreshing telling us. Right. OSU is uh, up on uh, Texas. Um, one to nothing right now. They got runners on second and third and only one out. Um, we're in the bottom of the first, so we're real early there, but OSU's jumping on wow. them early. Okay, yeah. Winner of that game is going to play uh, OU in the championship game tomorrow. Who would you rather play there? I would rather play Texas. Um, I'm not looking at it from a matchup perspective. I think OSU's the better team, and I think that the, the season has shown that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would – I'd rather this team have an opportunity to avenge their only loss of the season. Mm-hmm. I think that this team really wants that. Mm-hmm. Now, man, those Bedlam games, and this is not just this year. This is going back to the past three or four years. Man, they get chippy. And Oklahoma State, they, they really like, they like to talk a little bit during those games, which makes it fun. I think it's great for OU because it kind of rises. The Big 12, you know, when you see Iowa State, who's not a great team, when you see Tech, who's not a great team, when you see Kansas, who's not a great team, like you get the point. There's few teams in this conference that can, you know, really catch your eye. And Oklahoma State's been a top ten team all year long. So I think with that challenge, I think this is a program with OU softball, and it's one of the nicest things that I can say about them. The biggest compliment I can give them is when they face their best opponents, that's when they put out their best performances. They rise to the occasion. They rise to the challenge. They don't cower down because you, they see UCLA on the other side. I think you get the best performances from this team when you see the best competition. And I think that's been the same case with Oklahoma State. When they see OSU and the atmosphere is, is big and bright, there's a lot of chippiness and talk going on. I think Patty Gasso's team likes those environments, and they play their best ball in those situations. Not only are the the, the lights bright, but OSU is America's brightest orange. <laughs> yeah. So you know yeah, the light man. the light coming off those uniforms. You know, did you, did you see some of those mock ups that they did uh, of the OSU football field? Uh, they had some fans put together, and somebody wanted went full blown Boise State. I know, and did an orange turn. Oh my! I God. think that was the first comment on the tweet that you were talking about, and some OU fans got in on the Photoshop game and started creating. But not as many OU fans as I thought invaded that space. Yeah, uh, Tattoo put a good one out there, Uh, that's for sure. But, yeah, it was – yeah, that was hideous. But, yeah, you know, I I do think I'd rather have them play Texas again, especially the way Texas celebrated. And I'm I'm very much on record saying that I'm not one to celebration shame, if you will. If, If you win, you have earned the right to do whatever you want. And we should take it as the highest of compliments that, you know, they did the dog pile and the Gatorade bath and everything like that. If it's that big of a deal to beat Oklahoma, good. Good. That's how I want that's how I want teams. Same to thing rap. when someone beats Alabama in college football. Yeah. Man. Yeah, you're rushing the field. I don't, I don't a- care. A and M has got a top five way too early season ranking. All based on what they did against Alabama. Not based on anything. The other 11 games they played from last year. Nothing. Not beating Colorado 10-7. A&M is massively overvalued off of one performance, and that's beating Alabama last year. Because everyone likes to forget... They rolled down a Baton Rouge and lost to a 5-6 and six LSU team last year. Nobody wants to talk about that one. Texas did the same thing by not <laughs> – they didn't even beat LSU in LSU's title year. Texas got the benefit of the doubt uh, 
by yes. just not losing that badly. Yeah, well, that was their trash talk that all yeah. the offseason. is oh, like, we well, we it. played LSU closer than you guys did. All right, cool story, oh, that's bro. That's weird. Text line, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. More to come next, live on the Home of Sooner fans. It's The Ref. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Cavens Construction. Remodeling, roofing, water restoration, and facility maintenance. Call Cavens at 405-473-3048. Or in Tulsa, 918-282. Into the weekend, OU softball over Iowa State earlier today, 5-0. They are going to rest Jordy Ball this weekend. OU is saying because of soreness, so we'll see if she's available and ready to go next week for the Norman Regional. Going to guess OU gets the number one overall seed uh, selection Sunday coming up. OU will play the winner of Oklahoma State and Texas tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Uh, OSU still leading that game, Travis? Yep, up 2 nothing in the top of the second. Wow. Okay. So, looking more and more like it could be game for a Bedlam. A Bedlam rematch just like last year in the uh, Big 12 championship game on Saturday. All right, uh, looking at an article on 24-7 Sports right now. College football stars generating the most post-spring buzz. Now, the way that I'm reading it is, you know, players who had a great spring and they're generating a whole lot of buzz. But what I'm thinking, Travis, is they made this list well before spring practice even started because all they're doing is listing the biggest stars in college football. The first name listed is Jordan Addison, the transfer wide receiver out of Pitt. He is visiting USC. Um, He will be visiting Alabama soon. But Jordan Addison creating buzz, was he even – I guess he would have been at Pitt the extent of spring practice, but he, yeah, he this is more about the big list. name. Yeah. yeah, he wouldn't have been on this list. No, that's uh, – they absolutely um, said, hey, here are the people that have been getting the most attention on Twitter. This is what this list should be named, actually. Spencer Rattler, quarterback at South Carolina. Again, another guy that's – received a lot of attention. It sounds like he's done some nice things throughout spring ball, but it was more about the things that he said about his former team that caught more attention than anything yeah, else. Are you sure they put the right article with the right headline? <laughs> Caleb Williams, quarterback of at course. USC. That is interesting, though, about Caleb, is that we heard so much about him and the hype. I didn't really hear anything, any scuttlebutt coming out of L.A. on how he looked. I don't know how to take that, but I didn't see any – you know, rumors or articles that were just, dang, he is lighting it up right now, or it's not a whole lot going on here with him. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it was just based on proximity, but I saw a lot more throws by Quinn Ewers uh, in in a t-shirt and shorts than I ever saw of of Caleb this this spring. But again, it's all right, what names can we put out here that, that will get people talking about it on the radio? You mentioned Quinn <laughs> Ewers, quarterback at of Texas. Course. Apparently he's on this – or not apparently, he is on this list as well. Will Anderson, the edge at Alabama. Yeah, we knew that he was going to be the best defensive player probably yeah. coming back in college football Best defensive player in the country. Had a great spring. Uh, the wide receiver from Ohio State who had the huge Rose Bowl last year. Yeah. I mean, so – Okay, I'd actually like to talk about some players that generated a lot of buzz throughout the spring. So as we kind of point that conversation towards OU, I think you got to start with the freshman running back that they have coming in out of the state of Nevada. I I don't know if anyone on the roster generated more spring buzz than your freshman running back coming out of the state of Nevada and, and what he showed not only in the spring game, but throughout the three, four weeks of practice. 
Yeah, you know, that that's what's kind of cool about the spring game a lot of the times is you can say, okay, cool, we've especially now that a lot of the media has been able to go in and actually watch practice. That's been really nice, right? Uh, go in, watch practice, and so we can get these reports that certain guys are showing out because before that it was really just trying to trying to, I don't know, gather what you could, pull from here and there of who was having a good spring. But, you know, we'd heard about Javante Barnes, we'd heard about him, and then, you know, came out and had a great spring game. I think a lot of people that were only uh, – that we're only maybe looking at the box score would say, like, oh, man, Jaden Gibson was the one that really showed out. I mean, it was kind of a, a, a busted coverage type situation against a walk-on that's actually no longer on the team. Sure. Um, not to say that Gibson's not going to be uh, impressive. He certainly is. But there are – you had to have watched the game, and that's really where Javante Barnes popped was you watched him run and you thought, this guy is explosive. You know, he's not afraid to lower his shoulder or go by you if he needs to. Um, really excited, obviously, about him. And then Gavin Sawchuk just put on Twitter, T-minus three weeks, uh, and he's going to be on campus. He's really excited, too. That guy can fly. Yeah. I, I, I did love that, and I know this, this sounds weird, that he got popped a little bit in his first spring game. Now, I'm not the, That's the first time that he's taken a hit throughout spring ball, but he got popped earlier. I think this his first possession that he was in – but he's still lower on the shoulder, man. He he didn't he didn't let uh, getting hit by Deshaun White. I think it was Deshaun White, yep. kind of you know make him timid. He was like, all right, all right, let, let, let's go then. Let, let's play ball. And I he showed he showed out. And I I think that we come out of the spring saying this dude has a real ceiling to where he could be if all goes right. He could be legit by the time he leaves here. Yeah, I mean we. And and I want to preface this with in no way am I comparing him to Adrian Peterson. Um, as an overall back or anything like that, but we often, you know, heard stories of, you know, practice where Adrian would go seek contact, and he would, you know, he'd have a DB and he'd go try and try and hit him. He loved contact. Well, I'm not saying that Javante Barnes is out trying to trying to find contact, but man, it's refreshing to see that. Yeah, man, let's go. I, I, I'll take a hit. I'll give a hit too. No big deal. Uh, Air Cover Solutions text line. Interact with the show there. 405-651-3439. This text says, I hope y'all are keeping up with the OSU-Texas game because Texas coach just got kicked out and he flipped off the ump and the crowd twice. Wow. Okay. Did you – I mean, I, I can hear you watching the game there. Did you uh, Did you see – Was it? Is it Mike White It's their head coach? Did he – did you see him flip yeah, the, flip it the was, bird? Yeah, I didn't, it was – I didn't see that specific um, – gesture if you will I could definitely see the uh, um, the aftermath of it as the whole Texas team was out of the dugout there was some confusion about the end of the bottom of the first so uh, Oklahoma State had the situation I said earlier you know on second and third one out um, they hit one to center field it's caught there's a tag up situation they end up reviewing it giving Oklahoma State another run to get that second run uh, when both teams were we're already in the dugout, and it was it was one zero. So Texas didn't like that much, and yeah, there was. Uh, I definitely looked down to some shouting, and all of the players were out of the dugout. I'm like, well, that doesn't. That's not. That's odd. Yeah, no one can say flip the bird and coach at Texas. I I, I can't not think of. I think it was 2004. 
Greg Robinson, who ended up being, I think, the head coach at Syracuse, was the defensive coordinator at Texas, and walking back up the tunnel, he was giving the uh, double birds to the OU fans. Now, his team lost that day. He wasn't giving the double birds to the OU fans because Texas finally broke the losing streak and won. Now he's letting the OU fans know how he felt after uh, losing the game. God, that is a underrated moment in OU Texas history, Greg Robinson flipping off the OU fans. Well, mm. and, and, and even talking about coaches getting ejected, I mean, Eric Musselman last year <laughs> yeah, uh, at, yeah. at the Arkansas. Uh, what I a mean, punk move that was, Lord. man. He, the, the calls were fine. He was just getting run out of the yeah, gym, getting, and he yeah, wanted to. Wire to wire. Yeah. Just ra- yeah, ran him out of the gym in front of what very much felt like a home crowd <laughs> in Tulsa for, for the Hogs. Felt like an 80-20 crowd there, yeah. if not more for Arkansas. So, yeah, I, I know Eric Musselman. He's got a lot of Twitter followers. He's uh, in with Barstool and all that. But that day I came away from that game saying, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this guy for how he acted in that moment. I thought that was kind of a punk move. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But Instead of like tipping your cap and saying, hey, nice job, Oklahoma, yeah. it was like, no, we lost because of the refs. Yeah, okay, dude, you just got punked. Right. Uh, that one guy in the 918 texts in and says, ask Travis what newest OU football player he is most excited about personal, personally. Could either be transfer or incoming freshman. Oh man, uh, the obvious answer is is Dylan Gabriel. So I'll try and I'll try and go a different route. Give me Robert Spears Jennings. Uh, this guy, I think we all remember when when the offer went out and when the commitment happened, he was ranked criminally low. I think he was ranked in the twelve hundreds or something like that. He was our lowest rated commit in that version of the rankings. Yeah. And then he climbed up. I think he ended up being like our third highest ranked commit, I think, so. I think behind uh, Sawchuck and Barnes. And all the guy did was was dominate at every step. So he gets the fan vote in to the Under, Ar- Under Armour All-American game. All he does there is not allow a catch and then won the speed competition, the 40 competition that they did. So when you can go into – an All-American game, not allow a catch, and win the speed competition, and then show up on campus, and he's just been putting in work. I've seen him show up on the, uh, you know, above the standard academics, uh, you know, got to go to those classes, the ever-important classes. Uh, I, I just I just love his physicality. I watched him a lot, and he's one of the 918 guys. I watched him a lot at Broken Arrow. He stands out on a field. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's big. He's physical. He's exactly the prototype that they want at that position and guys that they're recruiting right now. Yeah, I think he sees the field uh, this year, and I I couldn't be more excited to see him lay the wood. There you go. More text on the Air Coverage Solutions text line coming up next, 405-651-3439. It is The Rush on The Ref. We are the Humble Center fans. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Cavens Construction. Remodeling, roofing, water restoration, and facility maintenance. Call Cavens at 405-473-3048 or in Tulsa, 918-282-7612 or visit cavensconstruction.com. GMC continues its commitment to professional...
alongside the Inside the Brown O'Haver studio. Cavens Construction bringing you hour number two of The Rush. Cavens offers remodeling, roofing, water restoration, and facility maintenance. Cavens Facility Maintenance serves all of Oklahoma and can help take the ease off of your staff by fixing those pesky problems in your office building. Give Cavens a call today, 405-573-3048, Tulsa. 918-282-7612. A uh, lot to get to on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. We will do that momentarily. But first off, I think that we've kind of signaled the end of this portal trip for OU, though General Booty is on campus, so maybe you know you got one more out there. But in terms of what they were able to get this week, if you had to put a letter grade on it, what do you think of OU's overall haul of Davis Bevel at quarterback? and, of course, of uh, what they were able to get with J.J. Hester at wide receiver. You know, I think the grade has a lot to do with the opportunity, right? So I think if we would have had five, six players enter the portal, seven, we've seen some teams just have, you know, seven, eight, nine people enter the portal just since spring. So I think, first off, you have to kind of raise what the base letter grade would be because, you know, we really didn't have the – the departures that most teams did, and I think that's incredible with a new coaching staff. That that was shocking to me that that happened. So I think you're already going to start at maybe like a C, and I'd probably raise it to probably a B plus. I think you get to a B by getting that quarterback. I think when we went into spring, everybody was on the same page with, okay, what do we need? We need a quarterback. We need somebody with some – you know, hopefully Power 5 experience, um, some real game experience because you don't want to do a disservice um, to Nick Evers and shove him in before he he's ready. You want him to give time to develop so he's ready to go down the road for you. You don't want to rely on a true freshman early. We saw that last year with Caleb Williams. I mean, we relied on him too early. It, it, it's as simple as that. He had a lot of growing to do, and he would have stood a lot to benefit by, by waiting another year. So I think getting the quarterback first and foremost in an, in an incredibly difficult position to recruit. We talked about this you know, all the time during the spring was, how do you recruit to a position, somebody that has NCAA experience, to come be a guaranteed backup? Guaranteed. Not, at best, you're going to be a backup. Yeah, at best, because you're not going to compete for the starting job. So to recruit that position, even if we had just landed that, that is a heck of of a pull and then to get a guy like JJ Hester, you know, at you know, six three, two hundred pounds, he's running the four fours now. I mean, that's that's a guy obviously helpful because he's a nine one eight guy too. And we'd like to continue to to dig deeper into the nine one eight side, uh, obviously across the whole state of Oklahoma. But I think that does well for you too. Obviously a Booker T product, a school that is constantly churning out good talent. Yeah, so I, if we're going back to right after the season, like in January, and these are the two guys that you get. And, and this isn't saying anything bad about these two players, but what was available during the portal at that time, it's probably not the B-plus that you give. But in terms of what was available during this cycle in the transfer portal, I don't know how you're not happy with the haul that you got. Um, Davis Bevel may not be the best quarterback in, in, in college football. He may not be the best backup quarterback in college football, but your backup is a guy that's been a backup in a New Year's Six Bowl game and played well. That means something. And with this J.J. Hester kid, um, he was at Missouri last year. Watch out for this one. Um, and maybe it won't happen this year. Maybe it does happen this year. But even if it doesn't happen this year, 
He's got some size and some speed that is at least going to be an interesting situation to watch over the next couple of years. Yeah, he's got all the physical tools you need, and I think coming back home, uh, especially around some guys that he knows, uh, you know, the the Gentry Williams of the world, um, I, I think that'll do well for him. And I'm really looking forward to it. I was talking to his trainer and, and was you know, ecstatic that he ended up choosing us over Arizona State. I think it's going to be going to be a, a very big pull. Uh, all right, Air Coverage Solutions text line. You know the number, 405-651-3439. At the spring game, I looked down at the white team and saw two number three standing next to each other in warm-ups. I recognized Farouk, but was like, who is this huge guy in the other three? Turns out it was RSJ. He already looks massive and will only get stronger. Yeah, a, a funny thing about that, Travis and I were hosting the uh, post-game spring, post-game for the spring game together, and Sterling Shepard just walks up and was, hey, hand me a headset. So we were like, okay, we'll hand you a headset, let's go. And I told him, I said, look, I want to preface this by saying this guy's got a long way to get even remotely close to what you were as a wide receiver, but I don't know what it was, but Jaleel Farouk looked a lot like you with that number three out there, and Sterling Shepard told us, yeah, he told me before the spring game today that he's wearing this number because of me. And how, how cool was that, man? That was one of the cooler moments of the postgame show that Shep pretty much said, yeah, Jaleel Farouk wanted to wear that number three because of me. So that kind of like a full circle moment there is, is pretty neat. Yeah, I think that's interesting because obviously I think a lot of people saw the same thing that, that um, this person did was two number threes next to each other. One, to his point, looked bigger, you know, probably a little bit more built. The OU roster has them both listed at 6'1", and Jaleel Farouk is one pound heavier. <laughs> right. So I'm starting to think uh, we might need to re-measure because I'm 6'2", 225, and RSJ, I'm looking at least eye-to-eye eye with him. So I, I, I think he's closer to around 6'3". Crimson47 says, off topic to your show, but is Jordy Ball injured? Is she okay? Will she pitch in regionals? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, OU said today that she is sore. That's why she's not going to pitch at all this weekend. Um, I, I Just to guess, I would guess that there's probably something a little bit more to it than just that, than just soreness. So is she injured? If I had to venture a guess, probably. How significant is the injury? I, I honestly don't know. Is, I it, don't know. is anybody not injured at this point of the year? I mean, that's the kind of thing. Well, that's managing injuries and managing... Health is so much about, you know, so much what goes into success in sports. So, I mean, it, she banged up? Sure. How bad is it? We won't know. They're, I mean, they're not going to knock on our door in the studio and say, hey, here's the, here's the actual thing yeah. that's going on with Jordy Ball. I don't know Jordy Ball personally, but just seeing how she conducts herself in the circle, which is all intensity, all the time, fired up, whether it's UCLA across the other dugout or it's, I don't know, North Texas across the other way. If she's able to play, if she's physically able to play, Travis, I'm going to guess that she's probably going to make herself available to pitch. Oh, ab- and she's, absolutely. she's already, as a freshman, getting close to legend status with OU fans. If it's revealed that she's banged up and she chooses to pitch throughout this postseason – and kind of leads this team to a national championship, buddy, it'll be a, a story that we probably talk about for a long time around here. Yeah, and and there are certain 
there's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers, and it it takes certain people scenarios um, and basically talks about the situations that they were put in. They talk about Bill Gates. Is he a genius? Absolutely. But something like his school happened to be one of the only ones with a certain computer lab that was teaching coding, and then his mother worked somewhere, and he was able to go. Like There were a certain set of circumstances that allowed him to become what the Bill Gates that we know today. Well, this is a unique situation for Jordy. She has the opportunity, as you said, a unique opportunity to, if she plays through this and, and brings home a national title, and then reveals this injury she was dealing with, then, yes, of course, it could be one of these etched-in-stone moments. What you don't want to happen is what we're witnessing now with Baker Mayfield, is I'm going to play through it, I'm going to play through it, I'm going to play through it, and then we look later down yep. the road and we're like, oh, you really should have shut it down. Yeah. Uh, your sister and new brother-in-law are listening from Jackson, Wyoming right now. They're proud of you, and yep. they would like you to keep up the good work, if yep. possible. That's what they say. They're on their, so honey- they're on their honeymoon. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed we, we carved out a little time in their honeymoon. <laughs> All right, we'll close up hour number two of The Rush coming up next. All right, short segment as we close up hour number two on this Friday. Phil Mickelson will not be at the PGA Championship next weekend in Tulsa, so tough break for some of you out there that have tickets to the PGA Championship up in uh, T-Town. Mm. Are you one of those? Oh, oh I've, I'll be out there a little bit. I'm definitely going to make my way back to Norman on Wednesday, though, because I definitely want to catch a day of that regional that we're hosting at Jimmy Austin. Yeah, OU men's golf, they are prime for another uh, title run. There's there's no doubt about that. Text line says, uh, this is Chad in Tulsa, has anyone ever put up the numbers and got less accolades than Hope Troutwine? Not even co-pitcher with Jordy. I know, I think she's under like a .25 ERA, but it's like, yeah, Hope's okay, but she can't be the ace of this staff. Okay. Embarrassment of riches. Just uh, just remember that. Remember that in a few weeks. That's, that's mm-hmm. all I'm saying because she continues to – Throw up low numbers every single start. All right, final hour of the rush coming up next.